Welcome to On The Record with MAH, a student-led podcast by the School of Media Arts and Humanities. Tune in for discussions surrounding culture, current affairs, playlists, and much, much more. Hi, welcome back to On The Record with MAH. I'm Claire Cunningham, a fourth-year American Studies and Film Studies student. And I'm Robin Cowie, a fourth-year's American Studies student. And today we are here to discuss with you all about fashion and sustainability, in anticipation for shops reopening in the coming month. Yes. Um, well, so we're going to start off with just talking about how online shopping has just had an explosion since the start of March last year, I'd say. I think as a result of the pandemic, obviously, we are all shopping online a lot more. And I can't lie, I'm so excited to get back into a normal shop. Yeah, I think we both have quite different relationships when it comes to online shopping. I'm someone, I'm quite tall. So no clothes fit me unless I try them on. So I hate online shopping. In fact, I've got two ASOS parcels to go back today, actually. Whereas I don't enjoy online shopping nearly as much, but um, I, I definitely do it more often than you, Claire, and have kind of had to out of necessity. Whereas I feel like in lockdown, you've kind of not shopped at all, whereas yeah. I've occasionally done a little splurge. But um, we're just bored of online shopping and we can't wait to be back in real retail and the actual experience. Yeah. I think the thing is you go outside more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I stay inside and I wear the same things. But yeah. Um, so, but I feel like the main experience I've had online shopping this year has been, well, one, buying athletic and like leggings and cosy le- leisure, leisure, wear. leisure wear. Yeah, that's what I've been wearing and what I've brought online because I didn't own that much of it before. But also Christmas shopping. Christmas shopping was intense. Yeah, that was unfun. They also sort of took the joy out of it. It felt way too easy, which wasn't very rewarding. I yeah. feel like definitely it's made us reevaluate our appreciation. And also a massive one for us is our love of charity shops and the fact yeah. we cannot go into our favourite charity shops and get some really interesting or unusual pieces whilst also being a bit more environmentally conscious and being able to support local charities rather than just indulging in mass consumerism, which is kind of what the main objective of today's podcast is all about, because we wanted to talk to you all about the environmental impact of our shopping and maybe this notion of conscious consumption. Yes. Um, so conscious consumption, should we just give a definition? I feel we should. Right. So conscious consumption is an umbrella term that simply means engaging in the economy with more awareness of how your consumption impacts society at large. So basically, it's really evaluating whether you need to buy from that fast fashion brand. If you need that one new item of clothing that you're going to wear a couple of times, and then it's going to go to the back of your wardrobe and never really be appreciated again. Mm. Claire and I definitely have had a lot of conversations recently where we're trying to be a lot more sustainable and kind of participate more in slow fashion, which is kind of a concept which is the polar opposite of fast fashion, where instead of buying lots of things um, for the short term, you really can invest in pieces for the long term that you'll love and wear for years and years, which makes it all a lot more sustainable and just better for the environment. Um, And that's even changed in the high street in the last year because whilst everyone has been buying a lot more online, um, there's also been a new trend called greenwashing. Yeah, I think that came around before COVID definitely with brands appearing as if they care about sustainability in the environment it's a um here's a quote the corporate practice of making diverting sustainability claims to cover a questionable environmental record so for example if 
you know, a brand, let's say, or H&M or ASOS has a new eco-friendly range, the fact is that small part of the range may be very eco-friendly, but it doesn't counteract the long-standing implications or the environment of these mass companies. Now we're going to just give a couple fun facts to <laughs> grasp the severity of the issues we're talking about. And I'm going to start off with the fact that 10% of the world's annual carbon emissions is generated by the fashion industry. And it's a greater carbon footprint than all international flights and shipping combined, which when I read that, I was a bit awestruck. I felt very, very guilty seeing looking around at my closet. I can't lie. Now that I've read some, my statistic is the fact that fast fashion could be responsible for a quarter of the Earth's carbon emissions budget by 2050. And now the idea of me looking at that ASOS parcel mm. in the corner of your room and knowing that statistic, I think it's just really alerting us to the environmental impact of fast fashion, how the severity and why we need to, you know, realise something that comes so easily really is having a damaging impact. Um, another one that um, I kind of wanted to raise with us is the fact that the people who often make fast fashion garments are often those in non-Western countries who often are paid under minimum wage and have no proper job security or safety. So my other fact is the fact that only 2% of garment workers around the world are paid a living wage. I think we've all, I've read articles, seen news stories, watched documentaries about the, the horrific way garment workers are treated. It's also a gendered issue as mm. most garment workers tend to be women, minority women, and it's just they are stuck in this lack of emancipation to create products that we don't even appreciate that they are, you know, working very hard and very skillfully to try and create that we really just take for granted. Definitely. If we take a look back at the historic issues of efficacy regarding fashion, it's a story of, well, horror, really so many issues <laughs> there's so many issues and I actually I wanted to start off this little bit of our podcast by reminding you Claire and maybe our listeners of you know the infamous um one pound bikini that misguided launched in that Love Island final in 2019 I don't actually remember that one. well I I really remember the advert because I was horrified really at the fact that something that seemingly could be made so for such a cheap buying price like but who made those clothes? What was the cost of making those clothes? Surely there is a loss there. And also who needs a one pound bikini? That is the height of fast fashion and the danger that it can have on people maybe becoming disillusioned with the real cost of clothing and making our clothing, the people who create the clothing and also just um, the whole system of fast fashion from that Hermes parcel being delivered to your house and the mm. people who are delivering them to the garment workers who made them and everyone in between the fact that this all costs more money than the you know the, the profit of that one pound bikini could be I think it's also interesting that it came out in the Love Island final <laughs> I think that says something about um influencers and their ability to persuade and create this lifestyle that's so influential for young people especially mm. as a sort of form of identity that just sort of takes over 
because also those young people will not only be watching one of the most popular television shows for our age demographic for years, but also we'll be looking at what those um, contestants and people are wearing. And often yeah, it's supplied by fast by, like, fashion. Or ASOS, like, every year it's a different fast fashion company that is the lead sponsor for Love Island. And they're all wearing the clothes. They like get yeah. the clothes brought in. So you can, you can buy what they're wearing directly off ASOS for like £10. It's just, I feel like it just, it all works obviously to profit off young people wanting to engage in this sort of culture, but maybe we are doing that without really understanding the full and historic repercussions of the fast fashion industry. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some the big four issues, I'd say. I would say. Um, so we've got obviously environment, and then we've got tax evasion, overconsumption, and then human rights, including women's rights and child labour laws. So like we kind of said earlier, there are massive environmental repercussions to fast fashion. It's just astounding. So a statistic from 2018 and that Christmas season is that fashion shoppers spent about £3.5 billion on Christmas party clothing in 2018. And just if you think about like Christmas party outfits and jumpers, like Often people buy. only have a sparkly jumper at home. Exactly, but it's often a lot of sequins, which is really environmentally bad. It's oh, often yeah. fast fashion, and really, you wear it for one particular Christmas party or one week of the year. It's just not a great long-term investment, especially if every year you feel you need to buy a new one. Also, according to Greenpeace, um, one hundred and forty million worth of unwanted clothing is transported to landfill sites each year in the UK alone, and that's just in the UK because another big thing that has come out of this fast fashion is the fact that the UK on average spends hundreds of millions of tons of unwanted fabric and clothing to other countries to dump it there that mm. was something that was exposed by I believe the Guardian this time last year so we kind of said it earlier but the environmental impact of fast fashion is so astounding and so cataclysmic and it's a total emergency and yeah and so you're talking about overconsumption and just capitalism of our society. Yeah. An issue in my, my book. So speaking of capitalism in our society, quite a lot, especially in the last year, um, an issue that's been raised is the notion of tax evasion from quite big fashion house brands that obviously, number one, are employing people in other parts of the world to create cheap clothing for them. But other than that, they're, when they're selling them in the United Kingdom, they're not actually contributing their fair share of tax for the rest of society. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> My take on that. Um, so yeah, tax evasion is another massive issue along with the environment that's really detrimental. But Claire really wanted to focus on the human rights aspect of the fast fashion industry. Yeah, um, I was just remembering at the beginning of the pandemic, um, the one story that I saw was the ASOS scandal where they just were not taking they called it a cradle of disease the ASOS warehouse where they forced their workers to continue to work during the pandemic in unsafe conditions and also they didn't pay them um regularly regular sick pay so they couldn't even take time off work because they wouldn't be able to pay their bills exactly and then that resulted in there being a mass outbreak of coronavirus um, in these sort of warehouses and factories that didn't just happen in an ASOS factory, it's happened in many different types of factories around the UK, which I think just exposes how vulnerable and susceptible people working in this sort of fast fashion industry are and the fact of the lack of rights they actually have. Yeah, I think if we look at child labour laws, there's, mm. there's some horrible statistics there. Especially when, obviously, 
we don't know from ASOS or from Topshop or from another fast fashion brand who really made our clothes. We might on our label, if we're lucky, get the country it will come from, which is very often countries such as Turkey or Bangladesh or India, Thailand. Thailand. So we like that's a standard we expect, but like who made them? We just they can't tell us. And it's really hard to actually try and locate it and find out because it is something that is kind of made to be murky so that we can't really because often there is real conflict with child labor laws or with women's labor laws of them both being some more of the vulnerable parts of society and the fact that they can be taken advantage of not paid a fair wage which then has greater repercussions not only just for children who need to be children not working in these factories but also for women who you know are disproportionately affected by having other children of their own or not being able to access education so working in a factory is the only way that they can support themselves and have an income so they're just completely vulnerable and it is just this vicious cycle of continuing to support um companies allowing to treat other human beings how they are treating them i think you also want to talk about the pay up movement yes so a big movement that has come out in the last year and actually from a blogger and an online influencer presence that i follow quite religiously is that of venetia lamana who is an environmental and eco-conscious slow fashion advocate. Um, You can find her on many different social media platforms, but she helped to raise awareness for this hashtag pay up um, online social media campaign where because um, of the pandemic, obviously everyone started buying sweatpants. They stopped buying summer dresses and going out clothes and like clothes for clubbing because who was going to wear a sparkly dress Mm -hmm. sitting at home last year? So all of the major fast fashion brands that were due to have new shipments for like their summer wardrobe, because obviously the pandemic hit last March when like there's the transition period into spring, summer, and really it really changes in what you can buy on the market. And obviously no one is going to go and buy all of these new summer coats if no one's leaving the house. So big brands cancelled billions of pounds worth of shipments and deals of clothes that were already made literally about to be shipped off from let's say Bangladesh and companies just decided they didn't need the clothes even though they were made even though there was an agreement they just said actually we don't need them so we're not going to pay you for the labor you have already done in making the clothes which meant that these then vulnerable garment workers weren't being paid for work they'd already done and the fact that they're being paid so badly anyway um, but they needed this money to survive. And these companies just didn't care because especially during a pandemic, especially during a pandemic that, um, you know, it's another place. It's not near us. It's not going to impact us day to day. So they just decided to not pay their garment workers anything. So one thing about the pay up movement that really surprised me was the sorts of brands that were actually being called into account by this hashtag pay up movement that was trending in popular journalism and on social media. So obviously it has the people we were expecting. So there was ASOS, there was Misguided, there was Pretty Little Thing, there was those fast fashion brands. But actually it had a load of other brands. So Urban Outfitters was one of them. Sportswear such as Nike and Adidas was on there. Even Marks and Spencers was on there because they are owned by bigger conglomerate companies that although they're different name brands, actually they're all owned by the same larger conglomerates. And 
they all just decided not to pay their garment workers for labor and time they'd already been committed to, which is already completely undervalued in our modern society. Shocking. Horrific. If we're looking to the future, putting more positive spin, what we can do, what's coming up. Um, here's a quote from the fashion, the global fashion agenda. If there's if there is a green lining, it may be that we jointly have an opportunity to reset the fashion business. We have to rethink and rebuild the business and not try to go back to business as usual. If we fail to utilize this opportunity for change, we're going to see a crisis much bigger than coronavirus. And I think that's very true. We now have a chance to really reset and rethink about what we are doing when it comes to fashion, going mm. into this new world, our own Roaring Twenties. I can't lie, so when you think about the past Roaring Twenties, the new silhouettes, designers, styles, the fact that people dressed up for every occasion, I feel we can very much signify, I can't lie, I will happily now make an effort for any social occasion I am going to have. Oh, definitely. So if you look back at the... Uh, the, after the pandemic of the 1918 there came the roaring 20s and it was fashion that was driven by hedonism and a desire to look youthful and I think that's definitely what we're going to have we're going to have such freedom when it comes to fashion and such fun in an industry but also this great opportunity to really reevaluate how we use and respect this industry yes and kind of with that we wanted to offer some tips and tricks if you would like to engage more in conscious consumption of fashion So obviously the big one we said at the start of this podcast, charity shop. I think that's the one we do the best because it's the easiest, I think, is you don't have to think about it too much. Um, You can just go to a charity shop and just see what there is, see if you like something. It's the excitement because obviously you aren't going to know. You get that thrill of going shopping without that sort of the guilt. I feel like, and obviously charity shops may not be for everyone and we need to be conscious that, you know, some people, the clothes that are provided may not fit them and so we have to take that into consideration also we do have to be careful of the fact that some people shop in charity shops for a reason because they can't afford other shops so you just have to really assess um the needs of others also whilst charity shopping as well but also it is a great way to engage so it's just that fine line but i would say to go into a chair shop overlooking on ASOS the next time you feel that urge to spend some money. Another shift we um, wanted to discuss is the fact the rise of actually sustainable brands, not greenwashing, actually sustainable, mm. which yes, quite often sustainable clothing can be a bit more of an investment. It's a bit pricey. It can be a bit pricey, but that's because they paid their garment work as a fair wage. Often they counter the carbon cost of emissions to create said items. And um, lastly, it's an investment. We really feel this ethos that you need to buy fashion that you are going to love and wear again and again. Fashion that lasts, a piece Mm -hmm. that will carry you through for years to come. So the fact you are making a bigger investment, yes, it is more expensive in the short term, but in the long term, if it's a piece you really love that is really well made, and fits you perfectly, you're going to wear it over and over and over again. And actually it will outweigh that instant serotonin boost of going and buying that one new it season top shop dress for the summer that you're never going to wear the next subsequent summer. And that you'll have to throw away. We're not saying that shopping is bad or that you shouldn't do it because that would be very hypocritical of us. We are recovering shopping, you know, addicts is strong. strong but fans like since first year we love to go into top shop every now and then and send that student loan is it like a social activity i like it really is um one that i've missed but so we're saying 
yes, go shopping. Happy, mindful shopping. Just have an idea in your head. Do some like research. Think about what you're buying, what you need. And will it actually make you happy and be good for you in the long run? Is it worthy of your money? And is it worthy of the time that other people have put in to present that piece of fast fashion to you? If it's a yes and you really like that trend, do you really like that top? If you're going to wear it, who are we to condemn you? Definitely not. If you love the fashion, continue to do it. But do be aware of that like weekly ASOS order. You have to have that one misguided top that you saw an influencer have that she's probably barely worn and thrown in the bin already. Also, we want to just have an idea of the brand sustainability. So here's an app suggestion that I found the other day that's been really helpful. It's called Good On You, which provides you with the brand sustainability rating. So obviously, because lots of brands are trying to look far more sustainable than potentially they actually are. So this is one really good way to know if you want to invest in sustainable clothing, because like you said, it can be more pricey. You are actually investing in sustainably clothing, not a greenwash, semi-sustainable brand that maybe is a bit better than ASOS, but isn't as good as other brands on the market. Robin's going to give some recommendations of socials, books and things like that. So in terms of socials, I have a good couple um, of social media accounts for this kind of discussions and also just general environmental. So Venetia Lamana, as we previously stated, and like her pay up campaign and her calling brands to account. And she herself describes herself as a recovering hypocrite from fast fashion and that, you know, we're all on this journey to learn. Other ones include AJ Barber, who, like Venetia Lamana, is a sustainability and fashion advocate. And um, they actually have a book coming out soon on the issue. A couple of other social media accounts is EcoArge, which focuses on the fashion industry from an environmental perspective. Stories Behind Thing is mainly an environmental driven Instagram, but it does often include a lot of fashion brands that you can learn the story and the process of items that we have in everyday life and understand the environmental consequences and the human impact before you buy those items and last but not least a favorite of ours just for the fashion tea as Mm -hmm. well as the environmental discussion is diet prada on instagram which calls a lot of fashion brands and the fashion world into account for many different things whether it's the treatment of models whether it's models weight culture whether it's race and social issues but they also do a lot of calling into account for environmentalism in the fashion industry and then if we're looking at podcasts there's remember who made them another really good one stylist sustainable shoppers weekly article it's a new online article done by stylists that gives you like their top recommendations if you feel the need to shop but want it to be sustainable, they kind of do a weekly collaborative exploration of those things. And then two books we have for you. Number one is Fashionopolis, The Price of Fast Fashion, The Future of Clothes. And How to Break Up with Fast Fashion. A so, good you know, title, a good title. And actually the text which really got me into this topic first was the True Cost documentary, which have you seen this documentary, Claire? It sounds familiar but tell me about it so basically the true cost really goes into a deep dive into the cost of that like six pound white t-shirt you see on asos and actually breaks down from materials environmental impact and um human cost to the shipping to it getting from asos's website being photographed to your door in such a short amount of time to give you the real idea of actual damage that products like that are doing on the environment. Nice, Um, maybe I'll give it a watch. I can recommend it to everyone. (laughs) I think what got me into this topic was a Stacey Dooley documentary. 
Yes, of course, Stacey Dooley, who herself, she actually came to fame by doing, I now can't remember. It was sending kids to work in um, factories for fast fashion. I think she got moved to India and worked in a fast fashion factory as a self-confessed shopaholic, Mm -hmm. and it spurred on her whole documentary making career. Go you, Stacey Dooley. (laughs) But um, overall, we just want to say with this podcast is we love shopping. Uh, We love it. We are expecting to shop when shops are open again and we will try and do it in a way that is more considered though this time I think we're just conscious and mindful is how I describe our attitude attitude going into shopping after coronavirus because we definitely want to have a roaring 20s and be fashion fashionable (laughs) I don't know I would say fashionable but also fashionable with trying to be a bit more sustainable and a bit more self-conscious of our individual impact on the environment and how we can make a more positive impact for other people. Yes. So let's just end this with happy responsible shopping, everybody. Happy responsible shopping with everyone. And thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, have an idea that you'd love to discuss and want to get involved, please email on the record mah at gmail.com. This has been an MAH production.